Good morning. Good morning. How are you? This is Brenda Shoshana back with another episode for this week of our podcast, Zen Wisdom for Your Everyday Life. And I'm so happy to be back with you and continuing really from last week's podcast. We haven't done that before, actually continued from one podcast right to the next, but we're going to do it this week continuing in our discussion about the koans, Zen play, acting Zen. And we left off last week with an exploration of what koans are, just the beginning to discuss it. We'll do more about that today. And I left you with a koan, a poem actually, by Rumi called The Precious Jewel We Have Lost. Some say it is to the east of us. Some say it is to the west. That's his poem. And of course, the koan is, where is our precious jewel? Or what is our precious jewel? So as we were talking last week, I just want to give a expand a bit on our introductions to koans, what they are, how they relate to our own personal issues and problems and to our own everyday life. And of course, we can start by looking at this particular wonderful poem, Finding Your Precious Jewel. You know, by the time we get to Zen practice, most of us are not running to the East and the West. We're not looking all over at this point for the perfect solution, the perfect answer, the perfect love, the perfect this, that, the other thing. We've probably been doing a lot of that. And by the time we get to Zen practice, we're ready to spend a little time anyway to begin with stopping all that running around and sitting down. You know, we can stop even if we're not sitting down. We can stop in the middle of our washing the dishes, walking in the street, even in the middle of a busy day at work, we can stop. Now, what does that mean exactly, stop? Because Zen practice is actually all about stop. That's step number one, that's step 500, stop. Now, we do sit down because that helps us stop. We don't move for a period of time when we're in Zazen, when we're doing our practice, because that is a we're stopping. But what is what, what are we actually stopping? You could also say start, <laughs> because we're starting something really amazing when we do this as well. What we're stopping is that mind of ours, that wild monkey mind that goes racing all around, wanting this, wanting that, accepting this, rejecting that, judging this. Oh my goodness, it doesn't end. It has a life of its own, actually. And sadly enough, we identify with it. We think that's who we are. That mind of ours that goes racing all around to the east, to the west, to the north, to the south. So as we come to Zen practice, we begin to see, no, 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 I'm not that mind. That's living me. I'm not living it. I 
it's not I am not that wildly racing confused upset mind that's an experience I'm having so we sit down on the cushion because all the seeking hoping and dreaming really has not brought us the results that we're hoping for or longing for we haven't yet found that precious jewel which you could say is contentment satisfaction wholeness there are many words 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 that we connect to that we love and that we will apply and of course when we work on a koan one of the first things we give up as we seek to stop is our attachment to these words 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 clinging to the words substituting the words for our actual experience itself you know that's a very important point because as we do so as we cling to the word or to the description of a moment or an event we don't really get to know the event we just are experiencing the description or the word and that is one of the reasons that most koans that we receive and that we work with they're illogical they stop that thinking mind that clings to words and descriptions and interpretations a koan absolutely will not allow that part of ourselves to continue because these koans cannot be figured out logically, as I said before. Just the way life cannot really be figured out logically, although we think it can, and that's what we do, always trying to figure it out, rationalize it, create some kind of a solution to life. Look for a solution. That's fascinating in and of itself, because is life just a problem that we have to solve? Is that what it is? That's how we live. We do live that way, as if we're going from one problem to another. When one problem is solved, we think we'll be happy, we'll be content, but boom, another one pops right up. Inevitable. Because we are regarding our experience, our life as a problem to be solved. A very primary and fundamental saying in Zen is, we go to the root and pull out the root. We don't play with the branches. How beautiful is that? The branches are the endless, endless so-called problems and confusion that appears. We go to the root, to the root. What is creating this? What is creating this? Constant struggle, dissatisfaction, upset. What is the root of it? We're going to the root and we're not playing with the branches. So we're stopping playing with the branches. We're not going to the east or to the west. We're sitting down and finding a whole new way within ourselves within ourselves now that's a very important point here of living our life of responding to events of seeing what it really is that's coming to us in front of our very eyes 
And as we sit down, as we stop, what we're saying really is everything I need to know is right here, right now. Right here, right now. So we're sitting down in the middle of it. We're not running away, running around, looking for it somewhere else. We are actually entering it. Uh, we, we could call it, and it has been called, our treasure house. There's actually a wonderful koan that says, open your treasure house. It's right inside of you. It's right. And I don't like to use the phrase inside of you, like there's an inside and an outside, as if it's something buried. And, and although those are good symbols and analogies, I like to think of it, sit down right in the middle of it, and rather than let the mind dictate and tell you over and over where to go, what to do, what's happening, let the answers that you so desire be revealed. Now that's really an important point, the difference between I'm going to find it, I'm going to get it, I'm going to learn it, I'm going to know it, or I'm going to impose it on you too. No, 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 no. And then we allow it to be revealed. It's much more humble, much more simple. We're waiting for it to be revealed. We're allowing it to be revealed rather than imposing our self-generated notions, or I could say our self-centered notions, on everything and everyone. We're making space. I love this so much, of course. I wouldn't be talking about it on and on. I just think it's so beautiful, making space for truth, for the moment, for the reality to be revealed. That is what Zen practice does, and, <clears throat> and that's the activity of Zen practice, and koans are wonderful aids in doing that. My goodness, I... There's so much to say. The time goes so quickly. So I'll, 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 I'll continue with this for a few weeks on and on because just because it's so meaningful to do so to me anyway, and I hope to you too, and I'm receiving wonderful, wonderful feedback, which I thank you for, and which encourages me to keep going. So I'll, I'll, let's continue right now. Let's continue about koans and how they connect with our own everyday life problems. And what I would say, if we're looking at our problems as if it's a koan, the very first thing I would say, do you have a big problem to solve? Good. From a Zen point of view, first thing, forget about it. Forget about it. What a relief. <laughs> you know, we keep the problem going. We dwell on it. We obsess about it. We, we're really giving it more and more power and energy by doing so. So to begin with, just forget about it. Well, it could probably be not that easy to just forget about something that's grabbed us like a crab. But as we sit and sit, we take our energy away from us. You know, there are certain questions in life, in our problems, in our koans, which have no answers. Yet these questions are vital. They're alive. They grab us and plague us daily. We enter a situation, and that question pops up. We meet a new person, and the question pops up. 
perhaps we're going to make a life-changing decision and that question shouts out. We take a step into the unknown and the question stops us cold. But there's no answer. We don't have the answer, so it keeps coming up again and again. Well, we don't have the answer in the usual sense, so the first step is stop looking for an answer. These questions may be called koans. The response is there, but the answers cannot be figured out, and that's a very interesting and important distinction between the answer to a question, which is usually very limited and intellectual most of the time, or conceptual, the answer and the response. So these so-called questions, koans, cannot be figured out like one of them would be somebody died who I loved. Where did they go? Why do we have to face such sorrow? What is death? What is life? Questions, big questions that actually live inside of us and haunt us in some way because they haven't been addressed. They, they haven't been handled in a way that really brings us to peace. We've played with them in an intellectual way, a rational way, and these very massive, very important life questions, that's not, they won't respond, they won't open to that kind of inquiry. As I said, these koans, life throws them at us constantly. Perhaps, as I said, this sudden loss of someone we've loved. Boom, it stops the thinking mind. Boom. The experience leaves us stunned, hollow, or shaken in the face of the great unknown. It cannot be grasped rationally. We might ask, why is this happening? What's going to happen next? Questions like these are deep koans. And until we respond to them, until we enter them, they're going to keep haunting us and gnawing away. Whether we know it or not, so much of our time is unconsciously spent seeking answers to these questions or trying to avoid them altogether. Now, when you begin to really grapple with your koans, they will alter your perspective. They'll take you out of the prison of a fixed point of view. You know, our attention, our ideas, and our behaviors become frozen. And of course, whatever is frozen is no longer alive. Our koans will cause our frozen positions to melt and return us to the flowing water of life. So that is what we're going to do as we work with our koans. That is why we are doing them we are doing them to have a direct experience of these questions and a direct knowingness about them. When we do a lot of frozen attention, a lot of fixed positions melt, and we become much more open, flexible, and alive. 
actually as, as time is getting so short right today but let me before we finish up I want to say something in keeping with this in keeping with how we really grapple with our life and with our questions there's a wonderful Zen saying painted cakes never satisfy hunger which means if you go into a restaurant starving hungry and you read the menu over and over over and over you still will not be full the menu might describe delicious dishes and you're reading one and you're reading the next but you have to actually order the food you have to eat it and digest it on your own to see how it tastes you have to let that food that you order nourish you same with a koan koans are food filled with vital energy and you have to eat them up with your very own life so as we're coming to a close I think we've passed the time for today I'm sorry about that but I this is a big topic and it's an important topic and what I'm going to do the way I did last week is I will give you a koan a wonderful koan to play with this week and next week we'll talk more about specific ways of working with koans here's a koan move the mountain without using your hands go ahead do it and you work with that as a koan be with that as a koan there are all kinds of mountains that appear in our lives all kinds of situations that seem larger than we are they feel immovable seem to hem us in maybe mountains of debt sorrow or confusion so our immediate response is to try to adjust circumstances and move things around we want to fix this or that so now that we're going to work on our mountain as a koan we're going to stop remember just stop be with it fully sit with it and you could by sitting you can also just be standing sitting with it means become one with it absorb it don't analyze it and tear it apart don't look for a solution just become one not only with the mountain but with whatever those life circumstances are then thankfully both the battle and the blindness will begin to subside okay we'll go into this more next time again if you wish to write to me I love to hear from you you can always reach me at top top speaker at yahoo.com and we are as I mentioned having a, a workshop here called Zen play um, making your life into a Zen koan on Sunday October 6th from 1 30 to 3 30 so write to me if you want to know more about it we it's going to be a, a workshop in Manhattan in person so uh, we have limited reservation you know room for people we have about limited reservations available for this one we'll have more later so let me know if and when you'd like to come. Let me know as soon as you can. Okay, thank you again for listening. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. And I look forward to being back with you again next week. And remember, are you hungry? Painted cakes don't do not satisfy hunger. Go order that food. Taste it for yourself.